Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Today, really excited to share with you Gary Cox, this week's guest mentor. Gary probably has one of the more interesting stories about how he got into finance and ended up with various different roles as a controllership, finance director, leading IT teams, strategic marketing teams. So his journey from wanting to be a DJ to a forklift driver to being rushed to hospital in an ambulance, which all culminated in him being offered a job in the finance department of a small renewables management business, is needless to say fairly unique. This episode has got loads of tips, analogies, great advice uh, for listeners on how to do more of the right things more often. So there's too many to, to pick out here. I just found myself making loads of notes during the conversation and I can see myself using them an awful lot in my own career. But there were some key scenarios we did discuss. One of them was some survey results Gary shared around why only 31% of finance controllers make it to finance director level. We go through the reasons why that is and some of the things listeners can do to improve their odds for success around that. And I get this fairly often, questions about comfort zone and imposter syndrome and how to overcome various finance stereotypes. I think we're well aware of what those are to give us the confidence and platforms do the real job of finance, uh, which Gary describes as being part of the business solution to key challenges and loads of great, valuable golden nuggets of information on what Gary says that will help our listeners there too. So hope you enjoy this one. And if you do, we really appreciate when you share it with your friends and colleagues. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So thanks again for your support and listening in. And that's enough for me for now. So without further ado, over to Gary and the show. So Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, look, it's our pleasure to have you and I've enjoyed our, our conversation previously and it was one of the other guests we had on the show, Susan, said, you've got to get Gary on. Um, so delighted to share you with our audience. But before we go into our main conversation, would you mind maybe sharing a brief a history of your journey in finance with our audience, please? I can do that. So my journey is a bit of an odd journey. As you'd expect, Andrew, it's not straightforward. I was one of those people who left school with no qualifications, which were entirely my fault. I wanted to be a DJ, had my heart set on that. And I did become a, a radio presenter for a local station for a, a little while. And then I got a job as a forklift truck driver through the day because I could work a shift system, so I could do both. And then a strange thing happened one day. Um, it was a recycling plant. And um, they used to take car batteries and what they'd do is uh, split out the plastic, the lead and the acid. And I was in charge of these bays of acid. They had, to, they had a mach- big machines, three big machines in these bays that, that put in alkaline that neutralised them and then the waste disposal would come, come and collect it. And all were going fine till one Monday morning around seven o'clock and it had rained so bad and all three machines that sat in these bays broke down. And it was one of those situations where 
we were on a bonus that week because big order going out as well. So what I did is, this sounds bizarre, but it went back to basic maths. So I worked out the radius of the bays and worked out how many bags could neutralise um, each bay. And I got as many people as possible from the factory. Everyone stopped because it was starting to flood and come out of the bays into the factory. So what I did is I, I worked out how to do this and I'd sort of mobilised people, stopped them doing what they were doing. We had to put uh, rubber equipment on. And what I did then is I, I worked out how to put it in so it neutralise it. So we were doing so many bags in so many surface areas. And people were a bit surprised and I had my diagrams worked out to do it. And we only had... We only had three like electronic pH monitors. So it was really difficult because, and these are big bit, and these were like electronic ones that used to flow across the surface and they used to, and they'd stopped working as well. So we had to pull those out. And and then I was working out how many bags we put in each. And then people were manually leaning over, stirring, which is a bit dangerous, by the way. And we started to get some good readings and the rain carried on coming down and, uh, I remember I was at the front and we built like a wall of alkaline as well. So and we're nearly running out of bags. And then the next thing I knew, Andrew, I woke up in an ambulance. Don't worry, we do get to the finance end of the story. Uh, what had happened is because I was working so close to it, there's a chemical reaction, obviously. And although nobody was actually going in the bay, where it had been neutralized at the edge of the bay, I'd started to go in and reach out and take readings. But Using my mathematics were good, but my failure in chemistry led me to uh, not see the uh, chemical reaction which was occurring. And even though I had like a, a face mask on before they got very trendy, by the way, um, <laughs> so this, is, this, this is totally absorbed this chemical, whatever it is, the sulfuric acid and the alkaline, and passed out. Um, so I woke up in an ambulance, passed out, got to hospital. They, they did some checks, kept me in overnight. And then next day, when you're hanging around waiting to be discharged, the managing director of the recycling company, I'd only ever seen twice in my life, sort of appears at my bedside. And then I thought I were hallucinating again, thinking, oh, my goodness, the chemicals have had such a, uh, an impact on me. And it, it just sat down. You just started talking to me, just saying, when you collapsed, the ambulance came, that we managed to, you've actually managed to neutralise all the bears and the, the bits that did flood out were neutralised, so there were no damage to machinery or or the floors or anything in the, in the factory yard and the factory itself. And he says, and we were back to normal in about four hours, thanks to everything you did. And then he had these, he had all these workings I've got, and he goes, he says, our finance director could not do this, Gary. Uh, <laughs> so there's a link. <laughs> and then he, I just told him my story saying, I went to a very good grammar school and it was my fault, I, I decided to leave. They won't let me take maths unless I took all the other all the levels, I didn't see any point. So I said, and that's entirely down to me. And I said, and, and a big mistake. And he just says, why don't you come and, and just work in the office? He says, I think you'd be great in there if you can do this type of thinking. And he says, and it's the fact that you applied yourself. And yeah, applied. I've never seen, he says, even my leadership team don't do this type of thing. He says, you did everything. And apart, apart not just working out the mathematics side of it, how to do as you thought on your feet. And he says, I just want you to come and just work in the office for a month. And this is Philip, our financial director. He'll find you some work to do. And it were a bit odd because I was thinking, we're going to go nine to five now. And I'm thinking the DJ career radio presenter is not working out as I thought. So I thought, I'll give it a go. And 
I had a natural aptitude. First of all, I was just like stamping invoices. And we had, people remember the old ledgers. We had about six old ledgers and I was writing deliveries in, which were great. Um, and I just took to it, to be honest. And I started looking after purchase ledger, did credit control. We got a computerized system came in and got involved in that. So this was in space for six months. And, and, and this was my chance to relearn. And it was like, fantastic and there were no every day I went in motivated thinking I could be on a forklift truck out in the cold and here I am people are moaning that the coffee machine's broken this is like <laughs> heaven and I just carried on and then I did the AAT I, I sat down with Philip and he says you should really do a qualification he says we mm. can't um, give you any time off because it are only a small company but he bought all the books and I just studied it home and I passed all exams I got a distinction and then I decided to do SEMA um, and then we had a chat and he said to me, he says, I'll help you look for another job. He says, there's only so much you can do. And I'd established great relationships with the managing director who called Joe. got to know all these people. And there was this wonderful story that they used to tell people about the guy who was sitting on a forklift truck. Now he does a month-end accounting type thing. <laughs> and it was just a really nice story. And the, he, he gave me some time off to go for some interviews. And then the big medical company in Leeds were advertising for a role. Um, I went and applied for that. When I went in, the guy um, started moaning about all the, there were a big, massive finance team in Leeds and London. And he was just saying, you're doing scenery. He says, this is one thing we give people time off. It really the days where if you passed, if you failed one exam, you had to take all four again. And he's just having a bit of a moaning session saying, I seem to be giving people time off and yet they can't pass four exams. <laughs> and I said, look, I, I like studying by myself. I'm not, I like to sort of learn. I've developed, I bought some books on self-learning. I think one called Tony Boozen or something. I, I don't really need time off. And I think, I, I think I, the HR person were looking at me thinking, he doesn't really want some time off to go to yeah. college. And it was like, actually learning by myself. And I think that swung it. And he were like, great. And I told him the story as well. So I went there and they got me the books. And yeah, passed all the years on time. It was so much to learn. And I remember my first jobs. Yeah, we had problems with the balance sheets and simple reconciliations. And there were lots of people involved. I think the fact that I've had to simplify all this learning into what do I need to know to pass the exams, but I actually like the subject matter. So not only am I passing exams, I actually like what I'm learning. I started yeah. applying lots of that. When you're doing that, because I did, I did a similar route as well. Gary, you know, in terms of the studying, yeah. I just like studying by myself. I wasn't a fan of sitting in classrooms, never have been. Uh, I was all up for the social side of it, uh, don't yeah. get me wrong, but just not the classroom side. So like yourself, it was like studying on the buses to work or whatever, or or taking notes of me the stuff and just quickly looking at them. So I, I, I get that. But in terms of, I think it's important though, isn't it, that you have some other outlet, that it's not just all yeah. work and yeah. study. Like it can become very yeah. dull yeah. and tough. Yeah, and Joe, I think that's fine. And I think at that point, this was before work-life balance, like a yeah. massive thing for people <laughs> yeah. were aware of it. Yeah, but you uh, instinctively knew it, 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 you need to have some outlet, right? Yeah, yeah. So football, I, I loved um, football. I loved going to see Leeds. I used to like playing football. I also played the guitar as well, so I'd often study. Actually, I came up, I, I wrote some songs around tax accounting. So oh, I was trying no, to remember you it, didn't. and I was thinking, <laughs> oh, okay. and, and also I did the same for the... I did the same for business law, trying to remember the things. I thought, I'm oh, going to remember this. I'm going to put some chords together and I remember it through a tune. So again, I was oh, coming wow. up with novel ways of actually helping remember things. Uh, but uh, the work for me. 
I was going to say, have you been spinning any discs at all? Have you gone back to that or have you given a forklift at any time since? I did go back to, I've been asked to come out of retirement to do the odd like 40th. I did one in Leeds. It was a leaving do for somebody back, I think it was 2014, in a really big nightclub. And I thought, I'll be okay. And and people from a marketing department have put banners up and we have an 80s theme thing. And when I got there, it was like the Starship Enterprise I've gone from, yeah, I've done this before. And it was, how on earth does this work? Yeah. <laughs> guy, yeah. Guy, guy, were like, guy were like, we thought, and, and there was some, there was some misunderstanding. We thought that you were like qualified proper DJ back in yeah. the 80s. I used to use, yeah, it's like. Uh, yeah, where's the turntables, man? So I've done, I've done, I've done a couple, I've done a couple of events. But oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So I, um, I just kept, interested in what we're doing i was interested in finance but i also got interested in the business i started to to, to build some good relationships I, I got involved in doing operational accounting which meant that i actually went to work in cork for i, I couldn't believe when you said actually yeah. cork is a great place to work yeah. but you've worked in some a number of locations i mean yeah, first I taking you yeah 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 so i i did so i'll just quickly jump through so I ended up working in operational accounting and ended up reporting to a VP in Ireland, actually, which is a great guy. And then after that, they came to me in desperation saying that they were doing this big IT project. And for some unknown reason, the IT director had left. And they were saying, you seem to know a bit about the business, Gary. You have a finance background. You some business processes. Can you just do this project just while we find some candidate to do it? And I thought... Two months, I just need to go in, just need to keep... It's probably all around budgetary control because there's probably a lot of capital expenditure. And four years later, I was like, wow, that, that three months went really quick. And I um, I went to work in Leon. We opened uh, a new um, office. It was sales marketing office there. And at the same time, we were putting these installations in. I was um, chairing steering committees with local groups, trying to make sure that we put standard systems in because of all the benefits you get. So yeah, Leo, working in Lyon for a year, pretty good. I worked in Italy, I worked in Germany. And then for some bizarre reason, they actually asked me to go and set up a new function called strategic marketing. Yeah, I think I would, the, the, somebody says to me that you're probably the most extrovert accountant we've ever seen in his life and that were like a tick in the box to become in charge of this piece of marketing so i did that uh, that were very I just on strategic marketing because i think a lot of us have studied marketing the four p's and positioning and uh, all that what what the heck is strategic marketing what's a good definition for it it's virtually a highly polished four p's in front of everything <laughs> the strategic marketing is trying to take all the campaigns and all the love of the products and try to look at a more strategic plan of where do those fit in now? What's the future products like? Where, where do we want to sell those? Where, where should we sell those? And I think it is bringing a lot more structure to it and cohesion, especially where you've got multiple countries involved as well. It's like, I, mean, look, fact, so I was just thinking, how do you do, how, like, how does a finance and accountant a professional actually bring the right skills to that? And I'm thinking maybe it's questions or whatever, or that structure or process, like where, where do we bring the value to that type of work? Can I say, Andrew, stop answering me questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to think a step ahead. I'm just trying to flesh it out for audience, it, you know. Uh, well, I think this, some of it actually goes back to when I was studying. It's actually, because yeah. you studied strategic marketing doing SEMA. And a lot of it is around the four Ps. A lot of it is around having a plan, having a, a vision, making sure it interlocks. 
there's a lot of project. So from IT, I'd learned about project planning skills. From fi finance is a, is a door to everything. It's a foundation yeah. everything, a door yeah. everything. So there's a lot of big spending going on. So my questions were is, where do we get return for this? Why should we do this? Why should we do that more yeah. of a priority of that? And then from customers, okay. So one thing is studying economics and looking at the markets is what markets are growing faster? Why don't we put more money in those markets? Is it the right, is it a developed market? If it's a developed market and it's growing fast and there's good profitability in there, why aren't we investing more in there? So I could take, it was like going back to, the uh, record industry it's like being on a ship and having all the master controls and seeing everything and it's all about linkage and from a linkage. finance point of view it's it's okay between the top line and the bottom line oh god i have to remember this now that's gonna be really bad between <laughs> turnover and net profit there's a lot of activity <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. like understanding that activity how it drives that top line and how it evaporates to bring that bottom line is a bit of an art form and, and when you understand the pieces that that interact with that, so it's like what drives a sales line at the top? It really is around customers. Okay, so what do we know about the marketplace? Are we in the right marketplace? So going back to the other answer you've given me, uh, which is around asking questions, Andrew, <laughs> uh, a lot of it is around the questioning, though, is basic questions. Because I think there's um, a bit of a fear factor with finance people. And I think people call it imposter syndrome, but... I, I probably thrive on that thinking that that it's good to feel as though you don't know everything because you really ask the right questions. So if you sat, first meeting you go to, you sat, you're from finance, you've done obviously this IT role, but you sat with commercial people who by nature oh God, yeah. are very extrovert, very passionate about the products. <laughs> and, and also they like to talk quite a lot as well, although I'm not stereotyping a lot of commercial people. <laughs> so, 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 so they're telling you, lots of anecdotal stuff, lots of stories. And I think as a finance person, you can take a step back and start to ask for some more factual data. So it's why you're saying that. So what drives you to that opinion? And, and what if we're growing at X percent, what is a marketplace? Because everyone talks about internal growth, but it's like a real barometer of anything is what's going on in the marketplace. And just, and again, having the finance background, and, and this is why it's really important to say to people is the studying is not wasted. It's only wasted if you don't do anything with it. I think it comes back to your first example about the, the, the tanks and the neutralizing of the acid and, the, and using the alkali because, and, and, and all the sheets and the calculations. It's, a, it's applied. Yeah, That's where the value yeah. comes from being in finance. It's all about how we apply the training. Yeah. Like We're not stupid in those rooms. A lot of people have this great training background experiences and whatever it's about how do we go and apply and i th and, and i think that's we never touched on all the mentoring that you do as well outside outside of all this but i think we're getting a lot from our conversation in terms of how you're packaging it for us but like this is where i think is we actually how do we encourage uh, people in finance to gain hope and actually apply this stuff and yeah. that'll work out well yeah and do you know what andrew there is a massive deed. The first time I, I went out of finance, stepped outside the fine, away from the journals, away yes. from the spreadsheets, and, and you walk to another part of the building and you go in. The first conversation is, <laughs> is I think I've said this before, there's, oh, there's Gary with his big calculator. Because there's oh, big the calculator. Yeah, yeah. stereotype. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you go from calculator, you do a bit of work with a function, and then they go, oh, there's Gary with his flashy spreadsheet. And you go, yeah, oh, I've, gone, I've gone from calculator to spreadsheet. Think things are moving on. Uh, but then you start to go in and they go, there's Gary, come in. He has a different opinion. He sees things differently. 
Yeah. And you build that up and you build that up by by listening to people. You've got to try to understand the business. And to me, there's, it's easy to find an excuse to say, I'm bogged down in month end, I'm bogged down in quarter end, I've got internal orders. Crazy. Yeah. But, but what you've got to do is you've got to give yourself learning and thinking time. And, and you've got to minimise all that transactional. Those transactional jobs are very important, don't get me wrong. And they're the foundation for all the accounting. But but make sure that they're done timely, make sure they're done accurate, make sure that that you don't spend the time that's unnecessary on them. Get them to go a little bit faster. Try to make sure they're efficient. Because what you're trying to do is your job really is to really talk to the businesses, is, is interpret what you see now, interpret what the future might look like to a set of different stakeholders. And you need time to do that. And so it's about to find the time and you will find the time. You can't, it's easy to find an excuse. I've been the same, but find the time. Go and have a chat at lunchtime to somebody who works in sales. Go have a chat to somebody who works in marketing. In those conversations, you find out real genuine insights and then you get to know people. And then at some point, guaranteed, Andrew, there'll be a project, there'll be, there'll be a big problem and you go and you'll find yourself this stuff that other people don't. And what you bring is something that nobody outside finance does because you've got this overview, you've got knowledge, you're process-driven, you've got a factual brain. And you can start to have conversations and people can see the you straight away, but but you have to get through that. You you have to get through the door. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of getting through the door, I know you said try and make things more efficient. Is there some simple things that they could do just to free up some time? Because I, I, I completely relate to what you're saying, Gary. Oh, yeah. I think we have the to-do list and they're like the tail wagging the dog. It's come yes. on. You know, you know what, what, where <laughs> are Let's just... <laughs> I, think, I think you've got you've got to take tough decisions of what's important. You know, yeah. in your role, what are the do or die tasks? What is the do or die stuff? And, and then when you're doing them, just saying, are you doing them? Because you just get complacent. Everybody does. It's challenge yourself about if you could break more time by doing this a bit quicker, if, if you could get more time by not doing it because it's not that important, what could you do with that time? It's a great question because I think what you're touching on here, that complacency is probably, is it something to do with comfort zone? Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I think I will, I've been a bit look. I, I've been lucky that sometimes I've been forced out of the comfort zone. Yeah. You understand business processes. You've studied IT. Can I just go run IT for a few months? And that's difficult. But I'll tell you what, it's surprising what skills you've got which are underutilised, Andrew. Oh, man. It's, yeah. I, I can I tell I tell students who are mentor, and I can do this very quickly in a couple of weeks, say, people have got lots of skills. You just don't use them, and that's fine. But but sometimes you, you really need to use them. There's no point in... in just letting them sit there and stagnate is get them used, utilize them. And the only way you do that is coming out of your comfort zone. Is Now, I have this theory and I built a model around this, which I put on LinkedIn, saying you might want to make a small, just a small little slide out of there, just a little stride. And that could be in finance, you might want, you might volunteer to do some kind of new task, or you might volunteer to go on a project. It's something yeah, that it's going to be, and it's skill versus challenge is that, yes. It's going to make you feel a bit uncomfortable, but you only learn sometimes if it does make you feel uncomfortable. But as long as you can build the skill up and the challenge is not insurmountable, then it can be done. But that is going to develop you so much. So just it can just a little strike, but you could do a massive step. 
You could really volunteer for a cross-functional project. Or you could say to, to your manager, look, I'd like to go present some facts and data. It could be around business plan. It could be around something you're working on and go to another team that is not a finance. If, if you, but if you think about, again, for those in an organizational structure, right? And that's what a manager should be able to help you with is help you identify where you can go and learn the stuff you're interested in. Because yeah. if you're doing stuff you're interested in or might be interested in or want to try it out, you're going to put a bit more effort into it. Yeah. And they might challenge you. So oh, look, if you can make what you do more efficient, that time you save... Yeah we can try and put put that into there. If you don't share people what you're interested in, like someone that you're not going to get the challenges that are going to well, push you outside the comfort zone, but stuff that you're going to enjoy, feel like you're growing. I think that goes with everyone. People want to grow. I don't think it's a natural human state to stagnate. I just, I, I don't know about you, Gary, but like that just doesn't feel part of nature. Things wither and die if they stagnate. Yeah, and I think now we can talk about finance because that's a great point, Andrew. Um, when I looked at some data for a podcast I did, so you're right, p- people get to a level, you get in your role, and at first it's a bit of a challenge and you settle down yeah. and, and you start thinking, it's okay, I'm getting, I might want to do this role in the future. But I'll tell you what quickly happened. Right. So I looked at this. So, yeah. so I looked at percentage, so there was a survey done in the US and there was some done in uh, EMEA and it was ASPAC. So I sort of put the best parts of the data together and looked at, a financial group controller going to an FD, what is the percentage of people that go from a financial controller or, or maybe a high level fact to an FD? Do, do you know what it is, Andrew? Percentage of people? I actually don't. I don't. What is it? 31%. From a controller to an FD. A direct. Oh, right. and, and do you know why? Do, do you know why a lot of that is? Is there's two things. One is there's a lot of recycling MFDs. If you look at it, and I know quite a few recruitment yeah. is FDs will probably spend three or four years, then they move on to an ex-FD. And of course, it's the easiest thing for somebody to say, we're looking for somebody for experience, somebody who's finance but can see beyond finance. And that jump up from a financial to compute an FD recruitment agencies, or you get internal HR people, they're looking for something virtually extraordinary. And the actual numbers stack out. So if you're just doing the same old thing and even if you get to financial control you're not stepping out of your comfort zone at the point down the road where you want to make that next step you're going to bump into this and the facts backed it up so for me there's a lot of start preparing yourself now and companies want to see especially get to higher level they want to see it as a real business person and I think with finance people when you talk to it the language is I sort of work in finance I, I keep the books yeah, I keep the books, I record keep, I'm da-da-da. Yeah, but so there's everyone else in finance though, Gary, pretty much. So like, how are you that extraordinary? And you just trigger something in my head. Is for me, the, the people that do, do make that jump are actually, I think the deciding factor is, is the nudge from the business. It's because it's yeah. they're seen as business people. So the best way is, is actually that you've done your work, you understand the business and people in the business recognize you. So if it's within the same company, you've got the sales VP or director saying you need to hire this guy for that position. Yeah. We're happy to work with Sky. We know this guy. We've heard great things about this person. You know, that's that's what will get you those positions. And that's what the edge is. But to get there, it's actually spending that time having the coffees with them, going for lunch, going out for drinks or dinner with uh, these people, learning their business and becoming a familiar face for them and delivering for them along the way if possible. Yeah, I think it is. I think one term that I've... I say when people say only work in finance is you don't, you're part of the business solution. 
you do financial work. Right. You do financial. Yeah, you do financial work, and that's like table stakes, Andrew. Table stakes. You do financial work. That other piece that that makes stand out great. is you are yeah. part of the business solution. What a great free, that's a great reframe. I I love that. You know, it lifts you out of finance, that finance mindset, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? And you're part of the business. Yeah. So, oh, Gary, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one thing that I'd say to listeners is get to know your business. What is the biggest challenge of your business overall? So if you're sat there now and you're in finance and you do month-end accounting, is ask yourself, do you know what the biggest challenge is for your business? Question. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. Do, do you know where the business might be in two years' time? Do you know what role you could actually play in actually helping the business move beyond its thinking and where it should be in two years' time? Okay, so... Does it, does it, yeah, but like most businesses want to grow. It's just they want to grow. So how could you be part of that business solution? Now I'm borrowing your phrase yeah. here, Gary, right? You can actually... I just, I've seen people even working for me create jobs for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of it is. This is the, the number one thing that I found out, Andrew. So one thing that you can do coming from finance, one thing that leaderships needs is valuable insights because everybody thinks so because they're all experienced people. So you ask them about the business, it would be about, if I asked some of my ex-colleagues who were VPs or whatever about business, Andrew, we'd be here six hours into it and still be telling you everything <laughs> that you. And, and, and sometimes... They're only telling you what they know. And the question is, what don't they know about the business? What don't they know about the business? What don't they know about the marketplace? And that's where you can come in because you've got to help them find the answers to that. So yeah. Yeah. one thing that I did, so this is sometimes I'd say to people, you have to be a little bit bold. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter what kind of character you are. You, you've got, if you've done those financial exams, you're working in finance, you're used to pressure, you're, yes, you're, you're process driven. Yeah. yeah, and everybody's got a certain set of interpersonal skills. Everybody chats, we would talk. It's just a case of people feel pressurized or feel as though they can't do things. It's an unusual situation, they get nervous. So, one thing that I did, Andrew, so I had my first big meeting when I was strategic marketing, and, and I, I delayed this for six, seven weeks. Everyone's like, who's this guy? We don't know who he is. So what I did is I got everyone together and we had a quick... And what I've done in the meantime is in those six weeks and before is I'd gone off and found lots of things about the marketplace, lots of things about people uh, who bought other people's products, lots oh, of things clever. about where we did invested money, lots of things about technologies that we didn't know about and, so found, and some internal things as well. And then we had, a, so my first time on stage in front of all these people were not the usual charts and people going, this guy's from finance. Imagine he's going to bore these marketing people today. It's like, we're on for a quiz. Numbers, numbers, numbers. And, and, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like quiz. Whoa. Okay. You've all got panels. So I, I invested some money in some A, B and C panels. So there's about 25. I just put a question up. It'd be like, hey, so A is our leading competitor, duh. How many customers did he acquire last year in the G5, UK, Germany, France, Italy, et cetera? Just people be like, okay, so is it 10? Is it 10? And people stick up A, B, C, D, and they'd be like, okay, so it's C, which is 150. Okay. So the mar we grew at X percent last year. What did the market grow at? And then you go, 
minus one, two, three, or seven. Oh, D. Okay. And, and start answering this. Um, and when you got to the end of it, what I'd do is I just do a quick tally to be working with it and just say on five of those key questions, probably less than a third of the audience really knew that. So I think my challenge is, and I know that these, some, some of them are difficult because maybe not parts of the sort of market that you know, but what it says is we're building strategy when we haven't really taken, and, and we do know a lot of knowledge, but maybe we need to just refresh that because things change. Um, and so a lot of it was using data, using presenting in a way that were attuned with the change a message that you need to bring. And it is around going from, it's, it's going from, here's a set of data, it's in finance, graphs, few bar charts, few waterfalls, whatever. And, and is that powerful? Probably not, but if you get people, you need an emotional attachment. So what you need to do is you need to say, you to say, look, I, if I stand up there and say, you don't know enough about the business, but it's impossible for anybody to know that and know everything anyway. Yeah, but exactly. some of the things you need to refresh on, you've got to challenge yourselves, whether you have got blind spots, you've got favorite spots and you don't like the ugly blind spots, wherever it is. And so how do you do that in a way that's informative, but also brings about, you know, a set of different thinking and thinking that will lead to change. So you can do that. That works really well, but uh, you can nah. think of different things from yeah. finance. <laughs> And that, and that, and I think uh, that's a bit we underplay. I think we focus so much on the inside and the inside generation. What about the influencing around the inside and actually having it lead to some sort of impact for the business? And it comes back to that business solution. And I think if you really lift ourselves out of accounting and finance for a section a, se a second into that business solution, we might actually find ourselves a bit more successful in in, in linking yeah. it and joining it all together. And yeah. I think you made that point earlier around linkages. I, I think that's bringing it all together, isn't it? Uh, pushing yeah. outside the comfort zone, learning more. No one's going to know everything about the business, but you probably know people who can help you connect the yeah. dots, uh, link it together. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's it. And you can get, if you get the right people in the room and you, you, there's a big investment and you're looking at it, you need people who understand the business, but understand it outside maybe the aspects that you're discussing. So you say, what's the most important thing for the business? Is it really to do something in the marketplace? Is it to buy a new piece of machine? If you buy a new piece of machine and we're not growing in the marketplace, we're just going to end up with, and then everyone would be complaining about an inventory problem, too much inventory. So you can join it up and just say, but if we're doing, but if we're growing fast on the marketplace, let's have a look at, you know, the supply chain piece, because this is where we could fall over. So having that overview, oversight, having, some good pieces of data, not just finance data, but data as well, which helps us, us look at probably some maybe leading indicators, which I think is a great thing, where we might end up. There's no surprises. It's, it's great if you're from finance, so you could be, I am the no surprise person. I run finance, no surprises. Um, then it's great. But you're just taking it to a newer level with different people, and you really are part of that business team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I love that expression, be part of the business solution. So, I know, hey, Gary, look, um, we've talked so much on so many different things, drawing out I, all that mentoring that you've done over the years is drawing all out. I want to be respectful of your time. So you've given us great advice. Any other bits of advice or maybe the best bit of advice you've ever received? Somebody said this, it says, leaders develop leaders, not followers. And I, I, and, and I always okay. like that because when I was, one thing that put me off sort of going from manager to some of the 
level is it's oh I'm like from finance and I have a way a different way of doing things and then I thought you've got to like influence people in a certain way there's all this I was too into following all usual management practices and then I started to simplify and go it's like people if I talk to somebody in sales about what's important about financial investments and why we say no sometimes and challenge them on on really how they grow the marketplace and those ugly pieces they might not want to go into those swampy bits whatever you want to call them is if they go into there and we can turn them into some great and a bit nurturing and it becomes somewhat thriving is that a good thing to do when I give them some advice to do that they start leading in their own way they're going thank you for that Gary I'm going to go to my teams now and I understand when finance say no and it's we think it's all about the bottom of the top line there's lots more to it than that and you're taking a piece to say my piece around growing the marketplace is just not saying let's carry on doing the same old and just keep investing in the same things Let's go to those spots where there's opportunities. And you're going to be forcing me in a bit to challenge myself about how do I get there? But when I then great stuff, it's something new, it's something where we can grow. And it's different ways of doing it. Talk about if you can't have a sales team, why don't you do as a distributor model? Why don't you go if it's somewhere like Turkey? Is If it's hard to go direct, then, then maybe think of different ways of going to the marketplace. We, we would invest in that. So again, people have these different views of things. And I thought leaders not creating a load of leaders walking around you. It's, it's leading them so they're thinking a different way, leading them to a different solution. So I see leadership now when I think about that as it's leading them to think in a different way, leading them to challenge themselves. And to me, that's a different type of leadership. Yeah, no, I really like that. I really like that. And actually, it takes some of the pressure off of you as well. They're not having to come back to you all the time. They're sort of being able to create their yeah. own and know, how, and, and know how to strive towards it and bring others along. Yeah, I like that. I, Hey, Gary, again, just again, trying to, how do you say, wrap, wrap up on time. If, if our, some of our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? The best place, so there's a few places. First of all, on LinkedIn. I think I'm called Gary Cox. Just have to remind myself that I am Cox. It's Gary. So it's G-A-R-Y-A-M. Cox LinkedIn. I also have a website as well called You Can Succeed UK. So there's a website on there. You can contact me on there as well. People in Leeds, I'm doing live in Leeds event next Friday. It's going to be hosted and sponsored by Santander. They have a big like Santander unit, which is like a business cafe. So they're going to let me use that next Friday. And this is one thing I'm doing. And so I've got quite a few students. Uh, I've got quite a few sort of early, mid-year, mid-level, sorry, employees come along. And it's called How to Be the Perfect Candidate. It's going to be an hour. It's going to, when I present, it's not an event, it's more of an experience. I want people to feel emotionally attached and walk away and want to do some actions, not to go, oh, they were pretty slides and he, it seems quite entertaining. It, it has to deliver something to them. So, so in an hour, I'm going to deliver something, which I guarantee that every person that goes to that will, will be going home thinking, I need to act on this. This is so simple. But So yeah, they can do that. And also, I have some podcasts. I've done some podcasts for SEMA. I did one which I got lots and lots of feedback, um, really talking about how do you set the baseline? How do you start to build the skills that are needed? A lot of that um, comes from what we talked about today, Andrew, about about utilizing skills, being seen, building trust with people outside finance, getting a mentor, coming out of your comfort zone as well, not getting too upon, hung upon roles, get more in, 
experience is more important. That's development and experience. Those, those roles will eventually come. Don't say to yourself, I need to be this in three years because it, it just won't. It'll only work for about 5% of the people. Uh, think about experiences need utilizing your best skills and, and developing new skills in, and also being able to utilize those. They will help your development so much as well. I, I was just about to ask you again, you talk you said about me earlier, like answering your question for you. My next question was going to go any parting thoughts, Gary. There were some great ones <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. You, seriously, you've given us so much. Any any other thoughts you yeah. could add? I just said, I, okay, I'll just say this is simple. So I thought about this morning. So when you used to go present financial information, even we're not doing those graphs that don't look so good. Um, but we've all been there. Okay. But, but there's always positives you can find. But but when you go and present, um, and this that's what I want to make people work in finance really not just feel good about themselves. Because it's true. Is doing this to a high level is an art and a craft, and it's a bit like a picture. And if, if you imagine two artists, two artists, same colours, same paints, same canvas. Somebody can go paint a picture that is inspiring. It just draws you in. It's got attachment. You're thinking about it afterwards and you're thinking, wow. Another artist can use exactly the same materials, draw some and there's no attachment. It's just, it looks okay. It's, it's, it's a decent piece of art, but that's it. There's no, there's no thinking about it afterwards. And that's what, to me, not just being in finance, but using all your financial experience, thinking yourself as a part of a business solution and then when you interact, make those interactions count. Be that artist that draws people in. Be that artist that where people want to see more of your work. And that's probably the best analogy that I can give. I love it. I, great advice. I was quickly scribbling down. I, I love that analogy about the two artists. You've, you've sparked loads of ideas off of my head, Gary. And I completely agree with you. What we do is a craft form. That's why I love it so much. That's why I love doing these podcasts and love bringing and, and sharing great guests like yourself, Gary. So thanks, Emil, for being such a great guest mentor and sending the numbers today. I tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed chatting, Andrew. And uh, yeah, good luck to everyone out there. Feel free to contact me. I'm an easygoing guy. I'm not into hard sales or anything. I just want to help people. But thank you, Andrew. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.